1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 1. But the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all the children of light and the children of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. Notice verse number six. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and of love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray tonight that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you, Father, if you would, these next few moments to help us. Lord, I pray you'll give us liberty and speak to hearts. Lord, I ask you, if you would, to give us the right frame of mind, and may we say only what the Holy Spirit would have us to say. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach tonight on this subject, on some heavenly instructions for the last days some heavenly instructions for the last days. When you think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we've just closed out, Paul has just closed out chapter number 4. We know the passage of Scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13 where Paul says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And what we see in those last few verses of chapter number 4 and verse 13, you'll notice that we see a revelation as Paul reveals the rapture, the coming of Jesus Christ, and then in verse number 14, there is a resurrection as he talks about in verse number 14 that uh, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do believe that, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. There's the resurrection of our Savior and the resurrection of the saints in verse number 14, and then in verse number 15, there's a reassurance here as Paul says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. I want to stop and say tonight I'm glad that what Paul gave us was not Paul's word but it is God's word. Amen. And the rapture is a fact and it's a doctrinal uh, truth out of the word of God and tonight we believe that there's going to be a rapture. Verse 16 uh, Paul talks about that. We see a rapture. As he says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and then notice there's a reunion as the dead in Christ uh, shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and then thank God in verse 18 there's some rest. Amen. As he said wherefore comfort one another with these words. Amen. And so Paul has just dealt with the rapture and now he talks about another event that's going to take place and that is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so he's talking about in the in chapter 5 and verses 1 down to verse number 9 here He's talking about what we read about in Revelation 19 when John saw Jesus coming back and he said, I saw a door open in heaven and behold a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he to judge and make war and his eyes were as a flame of fire and upon his head, or his head was many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but himself and he said he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. Amen. And the armies which were 
in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in white linen, white and clean. And the Bible said he hath on his vesture and on his thigh name written King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Then out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he shall smite the nations and he treadeth the winepress and the fierceness of wrath and the wrath of almighty God. Now we know that's the end of the tribulation period but it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's that event that John spoke about in chapter one of Revelation verse eight when he said behold he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also talking about Israel which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Well John or Paul here is talking about the same event not the rapture that's chapter four but here in chapter five he wants to talk about this revelation of Jesus Christ. He talks about the day of the Lord in verses one and two and then he talks about the destruction of the lost in verse number three as he said for when they shall say peace and safety then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. Remember what the Antichrist is going to promise the world he's going to promise them peace. Amen. And for three and a half years there'll be a false peace. Isn't that right? But there is the destruction of the lost. The day of the Lord. But when we come to verse four and five he talks about here the darkness and the light. Notice what he says here in verse number four. But ye brethren are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all children of light and the children of the day. And he said you're not of the night nor of the darkness. Amen. Now when you think about it tonight all of my life as I was growing up I would hear people say well you know when Jesus comes back he's coming back as a thief in the night. And I would think about that and I think well he's going to come as a thief. He is coming as a thief in the night to those who are in darkness and those who are not ready. But we that are saved, Paul said, we're not in the darkness. Somebody say amen right there. I'm glad I'm standing in the light of God's word tonight, in the light of his presence. I'm glad, thank God, we don't have to live in darkness, but we can be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. And we know that in the end, during the revelation, we know when the tribulation period is over with, thank God we're coming back. But we know that we're children of light. We're not children of darkness tonight. Amen. Now, isn't it good to know the truth tonight? Here's what Paul says. Look at verse number, verse number six tonight. He said, therefore, because, because we're children of light, because we're not in the darkness, because that day is not going to overtake us as a thief, because we're not going to face that destruction, because we're not going to be here when they say peace and safety and sudden destruction comes upon them, because we're children of life, because we're the Lord himself is going to come and we know we're going to be called up. Therefore, because of all of this, he said, I got some instruction for you tonight. Because you're children of light, there's three things in this verse that Paul tells us. And he preferences all three of these things, these instructions by the little phrase, let us. Notice in verse number six, he said, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And then in verse number eight, he said, but let us who are of the day be sober, 
putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. I want to say tonight, we that are saying we have some heavenly instruction for the last days that we're living in, we know that this is looking to the end of the, of the tribulation period and the revelation of Jesus Christ, but until he comes in the rapture, you and I as saints of God, because we're not in the darkness, because we're in the light, we have a responsibility to take these instructions that he has given us tonight and to live our life by those instructions tonight. You say, preacher, what are they? Let me give them to you and I'll be through. Number one, Paul says here in verse number six, he said, let us be awake. As he says, notice what he said, therefore, let us not sleep as do others. You know, tonight, we're living in a time when there's a lot of people, I'm talking about saved people, saints tonight, they have fallen asleep spiritually in our churches. Friend, don't let it happen to you tonight. While you sit in this church, and now thank God for our church tonight, but if you're not careful, you can sit in one of the best churches in America. You can sit under the sound of the preaching of the word of God. You can be around spiritual saints and enjoy the good singing and the good testifying and the preaching that we hear week in and week out. And all the while, you can be here but not really be awake. You can be asleep tonight spiritually. I watch it and I've seen it and you have too. People sit in good churches and they're numb to the things of God and they're numb to the things taking place around them. They have been here so long that they no longer are awake spiritually. Amen. And that's what Paul is telling us here. Let us not sleep. Now, he's not talking about a physical sleep, is he? And he's not talking about a soul sleep. Amen. He's talking about spiritually falling asleep on God. Friend, I do not want that to happen to me in these last days. Amen. What I mean, my friend, is we don't need, we need to be awake to the spiritual decay of our churches. We have already heard it testified tonight but I want to reiterate it tonight because it ought to be said and it needs to be said over and over listen do not fall asleep to the spiritual decay of churches that are taking place around us because it's just like brother laddie said tonight what's happened to them could quickly happen to us tonight if we go to sleep spiritually and if we just fold our hands isn't that what the proverbs said a little sleep a little folding of the hands I'm telling you friend listen it'll lead to a life of slothfulness and slumbering and a life of destruction. I'm telling you, listen, our churches are dying and they're decaying. I don't know about you, but more than anything, I want this church to stay alive. I want it to stay on fire for God. I want it to be a place 50 years from now. No matter how dark the world gets, I still want there to be a place on the side of the road where people can bring their family, where sinners can be saved, where the King James Bible is still being preached, where the right kind of music is still being played and the right kind of songs are still being sung and where God's stamp of approval is still on the church. But if you and I are not careful, we'll not be awake to the decay that's going on in the churches around us. You see, I think it's a good thing to be in one church most of your life or have longevity in that. But I'll tell you the negative side, if there's not really, but if there would be one, it would be this. Now, when you come through the doors week in and week out, you really don't realize how dead things are getting around you. I mean, if you go off and you visit a church, 
You go off somewhere for, for some uh, uh, special event or something, it's shocking sometimes that, to see what's going on in churches around us and what people are approving and what they're disapproving of and what they're, how they're changing the course and changing the mark. And friend, I'm here to tell you tonight, it could happen to this church uh, in less than 30 days. Uh, it would not take a month uh, for this church to turn in the wrong direction and to lose the presence and the power of God. And when you think about that tonight, that ought to help every one of us to pray for our church, uh, to protect our church, amen. Love your church, uh, be faithful to your church, be loyal to your church, uh, stand behind your man of God, stand behind your preacher's wife. Uh, I used to never have to preach that and I never want to preach it because I don't want anybody to say, well, uh, you know, he just wants people to follow him. No, but I would say as Paul said, please follow us uh, as we follow Christ, amen, because God puts divine leadership in all of our life and it's for a reason and I don't have all the answers tonight and I don't know all the answers and I don't claim to know all the answers but I think God puts a pastor and a pastor's wife in your life so they can pray for you so they can guide you so they can give you wisdom and leadership you say well do you think you have it all? No but I promise you if you come to me tonight and say will you pray with me about something will you help me with something I may not have the answer but I'll tell you what I will do. I'll write it down and go home and I'll ask God to help me. My wife, I've seen her do that. God, help me give wisdom. Help me give the right answers. I just believe this. God will turn the light on and he'll work through that avenue that he puts in our life. Amen. And I'm telling you, friend, churches are dying by the dozen. Amen. It's constant work in a church to keep it where it needs to be. On both the leadership and the membership. You have to be what God expects you to be in this church and I have to be and we have to be what God expects us to be. It's like a marriage, it's 50-50. Somebody say amen. That means, listen, I gotta pray and study and come ready to preach and be in touch with God and that means you gotta come to church and be in touch and ready to say amen to the preaching and get behind the singing and get behind the testifying. You may not do it, but you ought to get behind it and support it and back it up and you need to respond to whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Don't get in that rut of never responding to nothing or never making a move on God. You're not that holy and I'm not neither, amen. When God speaks to your heart, you ought to make a trip down the old aisle every now and get on an old fashioned altar and get some help from God and don't come to me later and say well I just don't never need to go down there that's hogwash and I don't believe it somebody say amen I'm telling you friend listen I'm the pastor and I have to make trips to the altar if I've got to come I'm sure the membership needs to as well you say why do you go preacher because I don't want my life to fall apart I don't want this church to fall apart I'm talking about friend how we keep the spiritual decay out of our churches is we got to be awake to it Amen. There's just some things not for sale tonight. Somebody say amen. There's some things we're not backing up on. There's some things not open for debate. I'm not being a smart aleck when I make that statement. I'm not gonna go on some champion for a cause. I'm not looking for a fight. Don't wanna be contentious or strifeful tonight. There's just some things that we're never, 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 by the grace of God, we are never going to compromise because we're not giving in. Hallelujah. I don't care if this place gets down to five people. Hey, some things we're not giving in on because you can't. I'm talking about the spiritual decay. I'm not doing some things to get a crowd. Somebody say amen. I'm not changing the music to get a crowd. 
that's the wrong crowd you'll get. Somebody say amen. I want to win them with the gospel and preach to them, but you can't worship with them. They don't know Jesus. Amen. I got to move on. We got to be awake to the satanic destruction of our children. Our children need help. Amen. I've never seen a time when the devil is working so hard on young people, even in this church. As good as this church is, I thank God for it. But the devil's working overtime. And what I would say, mom and dad, is stay on your knees and pray and pray for your children every day. And we try, me and my wife, tries to pray for every child and every young person in this church uh, every day because uh, we know that there's a battle that that mother and father is fighting uh, just to keep them in the right way. And I would say to you, it is not enough just to take them to a good church. Uh, you better bathe their life in prayer. You need to pray for their salvation, pray for their spirituality, pray for their safety. You need to pray that they'll grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, pray that they will marry in the perfect will of God, that they will surrender to God's will and keep a tender heart. Those are things you ought to pray for your children every day. Pray they will have a working knowledge of the Bible and that they will be filled with the Holy Spirit and that they'll grow in faith and hope and love. I'm talking about these are things that if you don't pray these for your children, they're not gonna happen, friend. You gotta pray for them. You gotta paddle them. Somebody say amen. That gets you in trouble nowadays, don't it? I believe y'all raise them with a Bible in one hand and a hickory or a paddle in the other. Somebody say amen. That's right. I'm telling you, friend, I wish we had paddling back in school. I wish we had it back. I mean, I'm telling you, listen, when I lived in a day when people told it hickories and belts and paddles, uh, I'm gonna tell you, you didn't have near the problem that you've got today. And I fear pastoring the next generation because they're growing up learning how to manipulate the system and manipulate their parents and manipulate everybody else. Uh, can you imagine what it's gonna be like trying to pastor that crowd when they get of age and they get older? I'm talking about it's gonna be an all-out war. Well, I, hope, I hope I'm in retirement by that time. Amen. I'm just telling you, friend, that's where we're living at today. I'm talking about, listen, the devil is working overtime with our young people. Don't let them play video games. Uh, somebody say amen right there. Don't let them sit in front of a television set for four and five and six hours uh, and just sit there. Make them go outside and exercise their mind. Amen. Get them a bicycle. Amen. I mean, listen, get them a, a listen, go get them a sling blade. Amen. Uh, go get them a machete. I mean, get them something. Amen. Uh, I mean, just just get them outside uh, and teach them. I mean, I know I'm scaring some of you parents to death right now, uh, but I'm telling you something. Listen, uh, they need to learn to exercise something more than their thumbs, amen? They need to do something for themselves uh, rather than having a computer uh, do everything for them. Somebody say amen. I'm talking about the devil is working on our young people today. You young people believe that, don't you? Oh, I didn't get a lot of amens there. I'm praying every one of y'all, if you got a video game, I'm praying you go home and put a hammer to it tonight. Amen. Amen. Boy, it's really quiet now, ain't it? I'm just telling you, I'm the, the demonic influence, the wasted time. You say, preacher, did you play video games? Well, I used to go over to my cousin's house because he had an Atari. Anybody remember those? I thought it was the neatest thing to sit there with a joystick and watch a rectangle hit a dot over here to this next rectangle. Well, that was really interesting for about 20 minutes. And after 20 minutes, I thought, man, this is boring. I'm going outside and riding my bicycle. Amen. 
I remember the day when we tore everything up, we took everything apart, and we tried to figure out how to put it all back together, amen? I'm telling you, I'm not telling y'all to go home and do all that, amen? But uh, it wouldn't hurt you to tear some things up, amen? I'm just simply saying, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, we're living in a time when young people, they don't know how to do anything anymore. They've never been taught how to do nothing. And all they do is just sit around uh, and look at a monitor, whether it's an iPad or a cell phone, uh, or whether it's something uh, on the internet, I'm telling you, listen, don't give them that. Don't destroy their mind. Make them exercise their mind. Put their mind in the Bible. Put their mind to work. Teach them responsibility. Teach them, and you can teach them how to have fun, amen. I mean, teach them how to get outside and play with sticks. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? You give a kid a, give a, kid a pile of sticks nowadays, he wouldn't know what to do with it. Come on now. I mean, I bet, listen, teach them how to get outside and play war, amen? Isn't that right? Make mud pies and drink mud water, amen? You know what I'm talking about? Every kid ought to taste it every now and then. And you mothers, don't be so, don't be so uptight all the time, amen? Let your kid eat a French fry every now and then. Somebody say amen. Ashton, Ashton ate one off the floor the other day and it wasn't even his. In a restaurant. Didn't bother me one bit, amen. Probably helped his immune system. That's right. If you'd feed them something every now and then other than leaves and herbs and nuts and all that other kind of stuff, amen, just, just let them be a kid. I know I'm getting in trouble, but I might as well bump everything. We're, hey, we're living, can I say this respectfully? We're living in the most idiotic, educated society. They look back at the generation that built factories and planted and, and fought wars like they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, that's true. And this younger generation, and I'm not talking to all you parents, maybe I am, I don't know. But I'm, this younger generation, they read something out of a book and think it's the gospel. It ain't that book they're reading out of. I don't care what doctor so-and-so or, 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 I'm telling you, some things is horse sense. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Little dirt under the fingernails ain't gonna hurt nobody. Amen. A little, little burning the backside up sure ain't gonna hurt nobody. Amen. That's not a halo coming out of their head. That's horns. Come on now. I'm talking about if you, the Bible says, that, the Bible says if you love your children, you'll whip them. You hate them, the Bible says, if you don't. It's Proverbs 13. What I'm telling you today is I get around some of these kids, it drives me nuts. Amen. Because I feel like their parents need to quit reading books and go get a pad on a Bible and raise them the way I was raised. Come on now. So preacher, why are you harping on that so much? I'll tell you why. Because I've seen the end results of it. That generation that wore their kids out, and I'm not talking about whipping them for no reason. That, that generation that whipped them, and talking the Bible, they look at them and say, now, you do that again, you know what you're going to get. And they stopped it. That generation that reasons with them, they do it again and again and again and again. And I'm going to tell you what happens when you, why that's so important. Because when you lay the law down, you teach them that. Then when they go on the job, there isn't, Brother David Cape was telling me something this week about how you had to try to reason everything out with people nowadays. You know what that is? That's a generation that never got a whip is what that is. Because when I started a public job, I was taught authority was authority. You didn't question authority. You didn't ask authority nothing. What they said was final authority. You know where I come from? I come from that raising. Well, I got to move on tonight. 
for the few of you that are still listening. Amen. You need to be wake up to that. Think about how your parents raised you. Amen. And throw all them books in the trash. And don't follow fads. Somebody say amen. I just, I'll tell you something. I don't care what somebody, follow that book right there. And don't you let nobody make you feel like you're less of a parent because you don't do what they do. Come on now, say amen right there too. I never have. I mean, listen, I remember my kids coming up, people, I'd have preachers say, well, you know, you ought to do this. And I'd say, yeah, mm mm-hmm. I'd let that go in one ear and out the other. I don't care what everybody else is doing, friend. If everybody else is doing it, chances are I'm going the other way. Come on now. I'm not being a follower, amen. I'm not talking about following a book. I'm not talking about following people that God puts in my life, but I'm not jumping on the bandwagon, amen. Don't jump on the bandwagon. Young people, don't jump on the bandwagon, amen. Church members, don't jump on the bandwagon, amen. Pastor, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon, amen. We're not getting on the bandwagon of what everybody else is doing. I get amazed at adults that we preach that to young people, but then I see them, whatever the next thing is, out, they think they gotta do it because everybody else do. Have some individuality, amen. Don't be afraid to be who God made you. And don't worry, don't make nobody make you feel like you're less of a person. I'm talking about, friend, that's the day, that's the society that we're living in today when people think they gotta keep up with everything and social media has blown that out of proportion because people put this picture perfect life and everybody thinks they gotta be doing it. I'm telling you, friend, that's not reality, amen. Just live a normal life. And I don't know how I got on all that, but it's good preaching, ain't it? Amen. I'm just talking about be awake to the satanic destruction of our children, the social decline of our country, sinners dying in our community. Oh, I'm glad our visitation is getting back. We need it, don't we? It's a lifeline of a church. The struggling difficulties of other Christians. We, we got to be conscious what we say about other people how we say it to other people. Don't ever make anybody feel like they're less of a person. Don't ever talk about another member in this church. Don't ever say, well, you know, so-and-so, and don't ever downgrade another saint. You know, one of the things about our church, everybody's not the same. Everybody's not from the same place. i tell you what Jesus would do tonight. He would walk in here and he would find the person that maybe is left to themselves. The person that's most needy. That's the person he would sit next down to. Sit down to. Jesus never ran with the popular crowd. He never, he went to the misfits. I think being a Christian is finding that person that nobody wants anything to do with. You know when somebody tells me somebody's weird, that's the very person I'm gonna go hook up with. The weirdo. Somebody say amen. How many of y'all like weirdos? Y'all too, because you're one. I like the weird people. Let them go, go hang with the popular crowd. Give me the weirdos. Amen. I've took some weirdos to meeting with me. Amen. I had one pastor tell me, he said, why does everybody hang out with you? They ain't got no sense. I said, well, you know, it's a ministry of comfort in the feeble-minded, you know. <laughs> I took a few with me. I was sorry when I got there. Hey, man, I'm talking about spending the night with me. 
My wife even told me once, she said, Rick, you don't know him. He might kill you in the middle of the night. I said, I might kill him. <laughs> Amen. But I have heard people who say they're a Christian talk about other people in such a downgrading way that it didn't make me think bad of the person they was talking about. It made me think bad of them. So I'm going to tell you, you don't ever know what somebody's going through. They may be one inch away from blowing their brains out for him. And that kind word may be the only thing that pulls them back and that, that snooty attitude. That might be the very thing that pushes them over the edge. And I would believe being a Christian tonight is finding people that need you more than anybody. You know, some people just want a friend. That's all they want. They just want somebody to be kind to them. I'm not going to finish this sermon. It's a, there's a lot of things in that text, but maybe the Holy Spirit just wants me to mention that tonight. Be kind to people. Reach out to people that nobody wants to reach out to. I'm not just talking about lost people tonight. I'm talking about in this church. You find a person that say, you know, she needs a friend. He needs a friend. And be kind to that person. That's ministry tonight, friend. That's what real ministry is. It's helping the downtrodden. It's being kind to those that need it tonight. Let's be awake to that. I, I want to be sensitive, don't you? God help me tonight. I want to be sensitive to the needs of other people. I sure don't want it to be about me tonight. About my life and what I want. Be awake. Be alert. That's another thing he said. He said, let us, he said, let us watch and be sober. That's more than being, you know, you can be awake and not be alert. He said, let us be alert. Let us watch. You know how you be a friend to people? You got to be watching. You know how you witness to people? You got to be watching. Brother Ken's watching, ain't he? Brother Barnes is watching. You got to be, you got to be alert to the fact. That when God puts somebody in your pathway, they're there for a reason. They're there. They're not there just to do that job. They're not just there. You got to think about it. You got to be alert to your surroundings and things. And then he said, let us be armored. He said in verse number eight, but let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Isn't it interesting that, John, or that Paul mentions the breastplate and he mentions the helmet? The breastplate of faith and love, that has to do with the heart. And the helmet for a hope of salvation. That has to do with protecting the two most vital areas of our life. That's our soul and our spirit. Brother, that breastplate, that protects the, the soul, that protects the spiritual. Keeps, that's talking about keeping out the filth, keeping out the, the dirt. Amen. Keeping that heart clean and right that helmet of salvation, that hope that's talking about security, keeping that mind in the right frame, being secure tonight. That's what we need to do. You know why? Because we're not in the dark. We're in the light tonight. As they come and get us a song ready as we stand. Only God knows tonight the need of the hour. But let's be awake to this.